Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. The title of our study, if you can see it, is Seeing the Invisible. And uh, seeing the invisible sounds like a contradiction, it's a, like an oxymoron. And there is only really one way to see the invisible, uh, the biblical way that is, to see the invisible. That's what we're going to be spending some time uh, looking at, uh, seeing the invisible and uh, how that relates to what is going on around us in the world today. Because as far as things that are visible around us in the world today, there's a lot that's going on. And sometimes we can get so uh, blinded and even distracted by all the things that we see, all the things that we hear about, that we actually forget that there is just as real of a world that exists invisibly. And this is what we want to talk about, seeing the invisible and the difference that that makes. And uh, the story that I want to introduce our study with is a, is a story that you, you might be familiar with. It's, it's a story that comes from the Old Testament. It's one of those stories that, uh, you know, as a child, if you grew up as a Christian and, and learned Bible stories, uh, you usually like that story. At least I, I like it and my girls really like it, so I'm kind of judging by that. And that's the story of the prophet Elisha, particularly one incident in the story of Elisha. There are many stories, but uh, I want to give you a bit of background before we read the passage dealing with the story. And uh, this is in the time when the king of Syria uh, wanted to capture or assassinate the king of Israel. And he would uh, set ambushments for the king of Israel. And uh, Elisha, the prophet, would tell the king of Israel, don't go that way. Uh, there's an ambush there. So he, he will go a different way. And this happened not once or twice, many times, more than two times, the Bible tells us, to the point that the king of Assyria actually started to doubt his own men. And he actually said, listen, who, who among us is for the king of Israel? Who's the spy? Who's the mole among us? Because every time we set an ambush to, to capture or to kill the king of Israel, he finds out, come on, confess, who, who's, who's for the king of Israel among us? And one of his servants actually told him, uh, it's, it's, we don't have a spy, it's Elisha. Elisha is a prophet. And the prophet Elisha, tells the king of Israel what you're thinking and what you're talking about in your bedchamber. So the king of Assyria said, okay, well, let's go capture Elisha. Let's find him. So they find him in the city of Dothan. He sends an army to the city of Dothan. They surround the city by night. And you might be familiar now with the story where we're going to go. And uh, this is what we find the account recorded here. Uh, when this great host, the Bible refers to this army of Assyria surrounding the city of Dothan, coming after one man, Elisha. The Bible describes them as a great host. And uh, here's uh, how the story uh, now picks up in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. This is the account we really want to focus on. And when the servant of the man of God, that's the servant of Elisha, was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Might be familiar with this uh, exciting story. And you can see why the title of our message is Seeing the Invisible. There was a problem here. The problem was the servant uh, could only see what was visible, and it terrified him. He saw the army of Assyria, and all the army was there for one man, for Elisha, uh, to capture Elisha, that is. And he was terrified. And when he says here, alas, my master, what sh how shall we do? He's basically, what are we going to do? He's absolutely terrified. 
And then Elisha gives him this answer. You know, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Elisha saw the invisible before he even prayed for the eyes of the servant to be opened. Now, it's interesting. This servant here uh, would have been a new servant of Elisha because just a little earlier, Elisha had dismissed his servant Gehazi, if you remember, because he went and stole and lied and, and so on. So this is the larger context of the story. So this is a servant who might not have been as experienced with knowing Elisha being a man of God and the miracles that he performed. Because in some people say, well, how, how come the servant was so worried? Didn't he know? He would have been uh, likely a new servant. And now he's manifesting and exhibiting a very natural, very normal reaction to this situation of fear. Because all he could see was what his senses told him. He was terrified. The whole army coming after them, what are they going to do? And Elisha's words are so significant. I want us to focus on that a little bit and spend a little bit of time looking at Elisha's words. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Because today, I put it to you that so many people are like the servants of Elisha. They're looking and seeing what is happening in the world and they feel alarm and fear because it looks like there is an army, there is a opposition, there is all kinds of circumstances and situations developing to oppress, to tighten the hold. Some people are saying the net is tightening and there is a certain uh, sense of panic and fear, it seems, that is actually setting in. And like the servant of Elisha, people are getting fearful. It's like seeing the enemy close in. Fear is what the servant of Elisha manifested. Faith and seeing the invisible is what Elisha had. And that's what he prayed for the servant to have. And then his eyes were open. And when his eyes were open, he actually saw the armies of heaven. And the armies of heaven far outnumbered the armies of Assyria. Now, the interesting thing is this. Elisha knew this. He saw the armies of heaven, not because he had necessarily his eyes open. It wasn't like he, he could see that all the time. But by faith, he knew and understood what was really happening. He could see the invisible. And he prayed for his servant to join in and to see that as well. Great, great lesson for us. Now, this point here about they that be with us are more than they that be with them. I want you to note something about the wording here. Let me, let me put this up because this is, this is worth noting. The wording, as he says here, they that be with us in verse uh, 16. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say they that be with us are more than them. He says they are more than they that be with them. So there, were, there, were, there was an invisible force with Elisha and his servant that was more than another invisible force that was with the army of Assyria. I want you to get this point. He wasn't just talking about the army of Assyria. Elisha could see the invisible. In other words, he could see that what was happening was really an attempt by Satan to capture and kill him, to destroy him. And Satan was using the army of Assyria. And Elisha was saying in this battle, Oh, my servant, in other words, in this battle, there, it's a spiritual battle. It's not just the armies that you see. They that be with us, the heavenly host that is with us, is more than they that be with them. They that be with the Assyrian army, in other words, the host of darkness in the spiritual battle. So seeing is not just saying, okay, here, seeing this side with us, or, or the enemy wasn't just the Assyrian army. The enemy was also those that be with them. In other words, in the spiritual battle, spiritually they that be with us are more than they that be with them so if we feel surrounded by the enemy we feel like things in the world are you know wrapping up situations are becoming dire uh, there's a lot of talk today about fear of the uh, mandates that will come you know they've produced a vaccine 
uh, as if we believe we are what we are told uh, with, with great speed and governments are going to uh, mandate that and implement that and people are getting worried and it seems like the net is tightening like we're saying and people are fearful. Just remember the words of Elisha. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. So many people, I get this question asked uh, repeatedly almost, almost daily, not quite daily, but almost daily. People ask about the vaccine, when the vaccine is out, should we take the vaccine or should we not, not take the vaccine? Now, I'm not here today to necessarily give you a yes or no answer. We're gonna talk about that briefly, but I want us to remember the bigger picture because like the servant so many times, all we see is what's here and now. There is, there is something happening behind the scenes. We need to see the invisible and seeing the invisible happens with the eye of faith. And fear, the, the servant feared to lose his life, that they were captured, they're going to be arrested, they're going to be killed. Fear today of, say, the vaccine or the mandates or the, or the, or the virus itself. Some people are afraid of the virus, that are getting the virus and are going to die. And whatever. However, people's reactions are, as believers, let us not be like the servant who seemed to be so inexperienced in spiritual things. All he could judge by was what he saw with his senses, and it terrified him. Let us remember that we have incredible precious promises and we are to believe them by faith and that is how we are to operate now in light of what's happening there is no doubt that there is a surrounding of armies in the last days uh, against god's people spiritually not just physically what we're seeing physically we have to remember they that be with us spiritually are more than they that be with them also spiritually because the battle is not just a physical battle it's not just on the level that is seen this is the promise i want to uh, remind you of of what jesus said in uh, in Matthew chapter 10, because people ask about the vaccine and fear of the vaccine. Let me tell you something. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 10, verse 28 to 31. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. That's the promise of Jesus. Because every, every time this question is asked about, you know, should I take the vaccine? Should I not? Should I go here? Should I go there? Well, what, what should I do? It's, it's an expression of concern, fear, worry. Maybe fear that the vaccine will do something harmful to you. Look, what's the worst thing that it can do? It's going to kill you, right? Or maybe some people might say, well, maybe that's not worse. Maybe it will alter your, your, your DNA. It will alter your mind. It will turn you into, I don't know, what kind of a monster, what kind of a thing. I, who knows? There's all kinds of fear. Jesus says it right here. This is the promise. This is the all-encompassing promise. Don't fear them which are only able to kill the body. In other words, even should you die, don't worry. God is greater. God is in control. And God is in charge. His eye is on you. You are of more value than many sparrows. Even the hairs of your head are numbered. So therefore, don't fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. The servant was fearful. Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes would be opened so that he could see the invisible with his physical eyes. Are we able to see the invisible with our spiritual eyes of faith? That is the question. Fear is really faithlessness. That's why when Jesus says here, fear ye not therefore, he says, don't be faithless. Remember the bigger picture. Remember the invisible. Be like the servant with his eyes opened not like the servant with his eyes closed. Or in other words, be like Elisha. Elisha was a man uh, of faith. Uh, here is how fear and faith relate to each other. According to Jesus, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, we read about that. And uh, this is what Jesus said to his disciples in that incident when uh, there was a storm on the sea. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. 
And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So notice here, the disciples exhibit, exhibited fearfulness. They were fearful. And fearfulness is little faith. And why were they fearful? Because they judged the situation based on all they could see. All they could see was a storm and tempest, and they felt that they were going to die. They were perishing. Does that sound familiar? Today, we see a storm approaching around us, you know, whether it be regulations, governments, mandates, what's happening, the net is tightening, we can't travel. If you travel, you're required to do this and do that and things that seem to be detrimental to life and health and wellness. And we are fearful and we're, we're almost going to perish and we're panicking. What am I going to do? Lord, shall I row harder? What, what, shall we pull the sail down or not? What are we going to do? The storm is going to kill us. That's the attitude of the disciples. Many times we exhibit a similar attitude when we look at all these things. And Jesus wakes up and says, listen, why are you fearful? Why are you panicking? I am in charge. I am in control. And when he describes their fearfulness, he describes it as being of little faith. Now, what, what am I saying here? Am I saying, you know, if, uh, if you're fearful of what's happening, what's coming, you are faithless? Yes, that's exactly right. If you're fearful and so worried that you will lose your life, then you're exhibiting faithlessness. Be faithful. God is in charge. In other words, your, your life, you've given it to Christ. He's entrusted with it. He's in charge of it. He will raise it at the last day. The worst thing that man can do to you is kill you. And then he will raise it. And that's it. Why should you worry? You are of more value than many sparrows. And fear here, this, what, what was the storm for these disciples? You know, I have to apply the equivalent for us today is whatever storm we face in life, we are, we're going to face a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And God does not want his people to approach that time fearful. God does not want us to be in doubt, in panic. Uh, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? What's going to happen to me? This is, this is the attitude that God wants to his people to have. What's it based on? It's based on seeing the invisible. How do we see the invisible? Based on what God's word reveals to us. God is in control. God is in charge. Let man do whatever man wants to do, aided, and, aided and, and emboldened by the forces of darkness, Satan and his host, no problem. Guess what? They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Do you really believe that? Because if you really believe that, that's going to impact your fear. If you believe that and you have faith in that, guess what? Faith and fear don't mix. They're the antithesis to each other. If you really believe that, you will not have fear. Look at Elisha at the story. We're going to go back to the story in a minute. Look at Elisha in the story. Was Elisha fearful? Was he panicking? Was he, oh, 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 no. So he actually exhibited faith without, without necessarily his eyes being open, just trusted in you. God is with him. God is in control. The whole army of Assyria, the whole army of the planet might as well come and surround him. No problem. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And what did Elisha do? He exercised his, his faith in a way to encourage and open the eyes of the fearful. This will be our work among our brothers and sisters. There will be some among us who will be fearful, who will be like the servant. And those among us need to be, uh, who need to be like Elisha, faithful and encourage and take the hand of the fearful and remind them and open their eyes, essentially pray that they might open their eyes and have faith. It might not necessarily happen as, uh, you know, uh, with the servant and have their eyes physically open and see actual angels. That might not necessarily happen. The story is recorded to teach us something about faith today to open the eyes of the fearful so that they can behold by faith the invisible. And in the invisible, they will see that God is in charge. God is in control. Jesus says that birds, they, they fall and God accounts for the birds. How much more you? God knows the hairs of your head. God knows what's being prepared for you. God knows what's going to happen. God knows what you're able to go through or not be able to go through. He's in charge. And this is what Jesus uh, told his disciples. So brothers and sisters, take courage. Are you seeing the invisible? 
they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Let's go back to the story and see what happened because while the servant's eyes were opened, something, the, the opposite thing actually happened to the army. Here's how it continues, the second Kings 6 and verse 18. And when they came down to him, that's the army uh, of Assyria, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Isn't that interesting? So you have two opposite things here. Elisha, the same man, he prays for his servant's eyes to be opened and they are opened, he sees. And he prays for the army of Assyria that their eyes will be shut, will be blinded, and they are blinded. So you have eyes that open and eyes that are shut. What does that mean? It just simply shows us that the opening and the shutting of eyes is to reveal the reality of what is really going on. The servant needed his eyes open to really understand what was taking place. The army of Assyria, they thought they could see and come and capture Elisha based on human uh, you know, intelligence and ability and vision. And there he is, we see him catch him and God disrupted that plan. He blinded them and they were not able to catch Elisha. What does that mean again? It means God has unpredictable ways of intervening on the behalf of his people to deliver them. He smote the army of Assyria with blindness. That's a, that's a strange battle tactic. Elisha did not have an army. He did not have weapons, he, uh, physical weapons, swords and shield and whatever. He didn't have any of that. He just had his faith. He went forward in faith. He prayed to God. God blinded him. A supernatural intervention to stop the army from catching Elisha. And it's interesting. It all has to do with eyesight. Because these people, they were simply operating on the level, the army of Assyria. They were operating on the level of the physical and the visible only. They had no spiritual perception or vision that the army with Elisha, the spiritual, the heavenly army with Elisha was greater than them. They were attempting an impossibility and God blinded them to reveal that they are not really seeing the reality of the world that exists. They were operating on a limited vision and he blinded them to demonstrate that and to deliver uh, Elisha. So remember this because Elisha saw the unseen, whereas his servant only saw the here and the now and he feared. How is your vision today? in the world that we're living in? That's the question. How is your vision? How is your eyesight? How is your fear? How is your faith? What are you exhibiting? What are you manifesting? Are you like Elisha, encouraging the faithless or the fearful among us and opening their eyes by reminding them of what God said? Or are you like the servant, exhibiting fear and trepidation and panic and, oh no, we are gone for, we are lost for, they are coming for us with the needles and the jabs and the whatever it is that they will come and, and chip us and scan us and barcode us and, and basically uh, you know, put us in a factory production line and do only God knows what with us and I better get out of here and run for my life. Oh no, what's going to happen? Okay, somewhere along the line, along the spectrum of what I expressed here is people's concerns. And look, we're living in a world, we watch the news, we see what's happening. These are things that are of concern to us. But is that all that you're seeing? If this is all that you're seeing, you're going to end up like the servant of Elisha. If, if you're seeing like Elisha, you will see the real picture. You will see that they that be with us are more than they that be with them. This is faith. Faith sees the invisible. And the invisible is not an illusion. The invisible is not a make-believe story. The invisible is just as real, if not more real, than the world we see with our senses. We see that from the chapter of faith. I want to read this verse to you from Hebrews chapter 11. This is speaking of Moses when he uh, left Egypt. Hebrews 11 and verse 27 says, By faith he, that's Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So here is a characteristic of faith. Faith sees the invisible, and it endures. It suffers long, it endures, it persists. And he endured hardship, trial, suffering, because what? He saw the wonders of Israel, or it says, he, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
It doesn't necessarily mean that Moses actually saw physically the invisible. He saw it with the eye of faith, like Elisha did. He saw that the day that be with us are more than they that be with them by faith. And he acted based on that. So faith endures. Faith sees the invisible and faith expects an outcome. Elisha expected a positive outcome from the army of Assyria surrounding him, not a negative one. The servant expected a negative outcome. Faith expects a positive outcome because it sees the invisible. And faith acts now based on the unseen. There's incredible lessons here about faith. So contrast this with the example of the disciples who were fearful in the boat because the storm was happening. All they could see was the here and the now. And they acted, they expressed, they acted out their fear. They, they panicked. They went yelling to Jesus or calling, Lord, save us. Wake up. We're, gonna, we're dying. Jesus is with them in the boat and they're afraid to die. And as a Christian, as a believer, we've given our life to Christ. We've committed to him. He's, he's with us in the boat. We are with him in the boat. We're in the same boat together. And we fear for our life as if we are the ones in charge of it. And, and it's all up to us and to our human ingenuity and ability to escape the, the trouble that is coming in the world. And when we feel overwhelmed with, Lord, what's going to happen? Lord, save us. And Jesus says, why are you so worried? Why are you fearful? You are faithless. Trust in me. Great lesson here for us, brothers and sisters. Great lesson illustrated in this beautiful story. So to summarize this particular point, faith then, based on what we're finding so far, faith is really seeing things from God's perspective. I want to repeat that. Faith is seeing things from God's perspective, or in other words, seeing things as God sees them. That's what Elisha manifested in this story. And that's what this servant, when his eyes were opened, he began to see things as they really are, as God sees them. So faith is seeing things from God's perspective or as God sees them. Now I ask the question, and like I said, people have asked me this question, and everybody's talking about it. And people said I should do a sermon about this and really address this question so God's people can have an answer. The question is, should we take the vaccine or no? And people want an answer. You know, they want a straight answer. Should give me an answer so that I know that my pastor told me or my church told me, or I don't know who I look up to told me. And the answer is yes or no. Yes, okay. Or, or oh, well, maybe I disagree, but, but an answer or no, maybe then I will fight and that justifies it. And we're looking for something on the human level. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The battle that is coming is not just a physical battle. The battle to capture Elisha was not just the army of Assyria trying to catch him. He could see that there was a spiritual battle going on. He said, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Let me tell you something, even the question of the vaccine, yes or no, the answer is not just limited to the human scope of the here and the now, seeing with our senses. The answer has to take into account the invisible, seeing with the eye of faith, and taking into consideration how God sees things and that perspective. So I put it to you, I put it to you, and this, is, this might be a bit uh, uh, challenging even, that asking whether I should take the vaccine or not and looking for a yes or no answer is not really asking the right question. The right question should be, do you have faith? Do you have faith? The outcome of you taking the vaccine or not, or what will happen and the unseen and the invisible and the expectation and, the, and, and the, you know, whatever the outcome will come, uh, the outcome will happen, whatever you're fearful of or concerned about, it really boils down to whether you are fearful or have faith. Do you really have faith? What do I mean by that? Because in Hebrews chapter 11, I want, to, I want you to remember, remember this. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have a list of the heroes of faith. You have a very interesting description of a group of people who actually, uh, we are told that through faith, they escaped the edge of the sword towards the end of the chapter. I don't know if you remember reading it, you're familiar with that, but uh, through faith, they, they uh, conquered, they defeated armies. And it says that they escaped the edge of the sword. The sword is a deadly weapon. Through faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. 
But if you read a couple of verses later, not far, just a few, two verses down from those who through faith escaped the edge of the sword, you will find that it actually says that others through faith were slain by the sword. I want you to think about that. Through faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. Through faith, and it's not a lesser faith, through the same faith, they were slain by the sword. So what does that mean? The outcome is not identical. The outcome is not the same, but one was through faith and the other was still through faith. We, when we ask these questions, should I take or not, should I do or not, this or that, we're looking for a standard, uniform outcome. We all agree to it. Everybody agrees, yeah, no, we're not going to take the vaccine. Or we're going to go, what are you going to go fight uh, with the human weapons? We fight with spiritual weapons. So looking for that same outcome is not the key. In this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see a different outcome the opposite outcome, and one was through faith and the other one was also through faith. So this is why I'm saying the question is not, you know, uh, shall I take it or not? The question is, do you have faith? Why? Do you trust that God can lead you and guide you? And guess what? In some people's case, it might be that they will escape the, uh, the point of the needle. Let me, let me put it in the, in, in the perspective of here and now. You know, escape the edge of the sword. Through faith, some might escape the point of the needle. And through faith, some might actually be slain by the point of the needle. The question is, do you have faith? You see the point? I hope you're seeing the point. Because so many people today, they complain, say, oh, my pastor says we should take it, all oh, the big walls, we should disagree. Or, or some other people say, we're determined not to take it no matter what. I'm not sure what that entails or how, how they're going to enforce that. But listen, if you think that the battle in the last days is going to be navigated through human effort, through human ingenuity and human ability or skill or, or, or artifice or whatever you might think it is on the human level, then you, you're going to be in for a very bad surprise. The battle in the last days will only be navigated if you see the invisible. And when you see the invisible, it's only possible by faith. And by faith, as we saw, some people escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, some others were slain by the edge of the sword because they had a better outcome. They expected their resurrection. They did not fear them that killed the body, but are not able to kill the soul. They rather feared God and trusted in God and the outcome was in his hand their life was in his hand that is the question that should really uh, concern us brothers and sisters more than any other question because if you have that if you can see the invisible and by faith you follow in god's direction guess what god will navigate you through whatever scenario will develop the problem in the last days let me put it to you is going to be more than just whether i take the vaccine or not look if, you, if you're thinking this is it this is the issue once you settle that point this is you're safe you're in for a surprise there is coming all kinds of scenarios all kinds of situations that we cannot even dream of. And you will not be able to navigate if you're expecting someone to tell you and ask, do this, do that, do this, do that, from a human outlook and a human perspective. You will be able to navigate it only if you can see the invisible. You have faith. You commune with your maker and God directs you. And God will intervene in miraculous ways in many cases, like he did with Elisha. And like we did, he did in this example we see in Hebrews, some escape the edge of the sword through faith. And in some cases, some will have to be slain by the sword. And it's not less faith. This is the point I want to make as well. Just because some were slain by the sword, it's not because they were less faithful than those who escaped the edge of the sword. This is what human perspective thinks. This is what humanity thinks. We think, oh, if they were slain, well, maybe they don't have as much faith. No, they were slain and they were trusting through death and God will raise them to be uh, you know, with him. If you read the, the chapter carefully, well, you don't even have to read it too carefully. If you just read the chapter as it says it right there, many times we judge that we, we look for a, a uniform outcome. And if it's different to what we expect, we say, well, that's faithless. Well, that's not really faith. Trust God and God will work in unexpected ways and means. God will work in div with divine interventions, incredible divine interventions, not unlike what happened to Elisha. 
God could blind people because you know people trust in what they can do uh, in the, in this battle with the with what's going on with the uh, hiding with uh, being careful uh, where to go who to talk to and and watch I'm gonna give you some examples in a minute but the 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 point of faith I don't want to miss here that I want to remember is this you remember when the centurion came to Jesus and he said you know Lord come to my uh, sorry, heal, please heal my servant, he's sick. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And he says, Lord, no, you don't have to come. I'm not worthy of that. Just speak the word. And Jesus said, this is great faith. So great faith that I've not seen in all Israel. Why? Because the centurion saw with God's vision or with God's perspective. He saw things as God sees them. He saw that the word spoken would accomplish it. And he had great faith. How is your faith today? Are we, when we're entering into this battle. When we enter into this battle, you know, a battle is, is something that is fought with weapons. There is, there is weapons of our warfare. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, excuse me, but mighty through God. What, what that means is human effort alone, human weapons, human ingenuity, and human ability is not enough to navigate the battle of the last days. So one of these issues is the issue of, of the vaccine. You know, some people are relying on hiding. They have a place in the mountains or in the bush or in the countryside, and they know a little cave somewhere and they're gonna hide. Uh, that's not how we navigate that battle. Now that's good and well, but if this is the extent of, of how you're preparing, you're in for a surprise. Some other people feel, well, you know, they know a certain doctor somewhere and the doctor is gonna be able to, to help them out with whatever they have to sign off and take the vaccine. Uh, others rely, maybe they know some trick where they, where they will trick the system. Some are maybe gonna uh, arm up and they wanna fight and nobody's gonna touch me and my family with, with a needle. Uh, some uh, rely on going off the grid and, and living and subsisting food and, and uh, their own power, their own food, their own they don't rely on the system because uh, restrictions will be in place. You know, you can't be part of the system unless you get, say, uh, the vaccine. I'm talking about the vaccine just uh, because this is the scenario, the here and now. This is what we're dealing with. This is the, the approaching army that's surrounding. This is the one that people are really asking about. But you need to apply this to any scenario. To any, to any really uh, scenario that will develop. This just happens to be the one. For the disciples, it was the storm. For Elisha and his servant, it was the army of Assyria. So the, you fill in the blanks. I hope, you hope you're with me. Uh, if this is the extent of your preparation, all these human abilities and ingenuity and what you can conjure up and think, uh, think up, that you will be fearful. You will be concerned. You will panic. You will freak out because you always wonder if you've done enough, if they really bypass whatever uh, uh, system you implemented. Our spiritual weapons, brothers and sisters, are not carnal. They're not based on human ingenuity. It's not roll harder, pull the sail down, uh, let's hide. Uh, Elisha tells us, oh, look, let's go hide in the basement down there in the city. They're not going to find us. They're going to search the whole city and they're not going to find us. He doesn't say this. He says, listen, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And he went out and faced them and God intervened in a miraculous way. Now, I'm not saying be foolhardy here and go presumptuous. Uh, do what God instructs you and tells you to do. And you need faith in order to perceive that invisible world where God operates. And faith is what's pleasing to God, according to Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Are we pleasing God in our approach to this final battle? Or are we displeasing God because we're so fearful and so panicking? Now, don't get me wrong. I understand. I have a family. I know that the issue of, you know, say the vaccine, we're talking about the vaccine, whether we take the vaccine or not, what are we going to do is, is a serious one that we have to address. And believe me, I'm not, I'm not here in an indirect way advocating, yeah, we just go along with the system. I'm, I'm, I don't want anyone to jab me with any needle that I don't know what's in it. You know, I, I, have, I have no interest in that. But you know what? What are the means that I will use to avoid that? If I rely only on human abilities and means, I am in for a very sad, shocking surprise because this battle is a battle of 
the invisible world. Satan is marshalling his forces. That's why we need these spiritual weapons. Paul talks about this as part of the armor of faith. If you recall, here it is in, uh, in this famous passage in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, this beautiful, beautiful description of warfare. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. How, we're very familiar with this passage. We may even recite it off by heart. You memorize this, you recite it off by heart, all the weapons. But the interesting thing here is in verse 16, one particular item or one particular uh, piece of armor is described as being above all. And what is it? It's the shield of faith. It says above all. So make sure you have all of these things. But most importantly, in, in, in modern English here, above all, most important, don't forget, be sure above all that you have what? The shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? The shield is your protector, right? In the ancient battle, the equivalent for the shield of faith. If, if Paul was alive today and using the modern uh, items of a soldier, you know, uh, the armor of a soldier, the shield of faith, people don't use a shield today. It's, it's your bullet vest, right? Your bullet vest, what, 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 what we would call a, a, a breastplate because that's the one that quenches the darts, the bullets, right? The bullets are the darts that come and how do you protect your body from the bullets? You don't necessarily carry a shield today. It's, it's called a bullet vest. The point, the parallel or the equivalent, that's not the main point. I'm just trying to you know, make it modern here so we can appreciate it. The shield is one of the most important items in the battle. Why? Because if you're equipped with good, good equipment, good sword, good spear, good everything, and then you fail to have a shield, you can be hit with a flying dart and die having all these other good weapons. That's why he says, listen, above all, make sure you have the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? It is seeing the invisible recognizing that this battle is not just to be fought with human effort and human ingenuity. God will intervene on the behalf of his people to deliver them. That's the thing. I want to tell you a quick story here uh, because re relying on, on human ingenuity has its failings because it actually diminishes faith. If you think, I rely, my ability, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did. And you actually end up relying more on what you did rather than what God does. Uh, story of Brother Andrew, you might know him, a missionary in Europe, and he was, uh, he was smuggling Bibles into Romania, communist Romania, right? And he was in the line, uh, line of cars coming to the checkpoint to enter in, and he could see the cars in front of him. The soldiers were checking them. They were basically tearing the car apart, and he had his Bibles hidden in the trunk. The Bibles, and, and he was getting closer to, to his turn, and what's he going to do? Lord, what am I going to do? And uh, and they were taking off the, the wheels, the, the checking the engine of the other cars. Of course, there's going to be found. There's going to be trouble. So he prays and asks God, Lord, I have to rely completely on you. You know what he did? He took the Bibles out of the trunk. He actually put them right in the open on the seat of the car, here, on the seat right next to him or at the back. He, he put them on the seat. He came up to the checkpoint and the soldier asked him for his passport. He gave him his passport. The soldier looked at his passport. He closed his passport and he waved him through the checkpoint. And, and Brother Andrew couldn't even believe uh, what had happened. So he went slowly because he thought they, they're going to check my car. They're going to want to inspect. They didn't have any inspection. So he's going slowly and he's looking in his rear view mirror and he sees the car behind him. The soldier is now busy with the next car. And he asked the, the driver to come out and they're starting to inspect the car. And he passed through the checkpoint and, he, and he, he, the Bibles got through. What happened? He did not. He gave up relying on his human effort, human ingenuity, human ability. He said, Lord, I trust you fully, completely. Faith operated. And by faith, God intervened 
in a miraculous supernatural way and the, the guard was essentially blinded from seeing that this car needed any inspection or from even seeing the Bibles that were sitting right, sitting right there, much like the Assyrian army that was blinded from seeing Elisha and capturing him. So take, this is why Paul says, above all, take the shield of faith. Don't just trust in, oh, I know the answer. I know what to do. I have some guns loaded up. I have some bunker in some mountain. I have, the, all this is good and well. But listen, if you're operating without faith, it is only guaranteed to fail and it will be disastrous. Have faith. Look to the invisible. Trust that God can work and intervene in miraculous supernatural ways. Do everything that you can by faith. And remember, the story uh, or, or the record we have of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that through faith, some escaped the edge of the sword and through faith, some were slain by the sword. Go back and read that chapter. Uh, that will be a good uh, reminder for uh, seeing with, uh, with the eyes of faith or seeing the invisible. So faith is this divine illumination, divinely illuminated vision. Uh, fear is blindness. Uh, the servant was fearful. He was blinded. He couldn't really see. Ignorance is blindness. Living only by your senses is blindness because there is more to the world than just what our senses perceive. There is more to the world. God tells us the reality of the world that exists. And you perceive that and understand that by faith not by your senses. If you live only by your senses, thinking of the here and the now and everything that you see physically, you will be severely disappointed. You are living out of touch with reality as far as the Bible is concerned. The story of Elisha and his servant illustrates that very, very uh, clearly. There are many examples in the Bible of, of blindness. In the last days, Laodicea, God's true church, is blind. Uh, you know, they need their eyes to be open. Uh, there, there are actually levels of blindness. We did this in another study. There is, there is physical blindness, there is spiritual blindness, and there is willful blindness. And Jesus can heal the first two. We, we looked at that, you know, the story of, of the blind man, uh, born blind. That's physical blindness. Jesus healed the blind man. If you remember the story in John uh, chapter 9, uh, Jesus healed the, the man born blind. Uh, and he also healed his spiritual blindness because not only could he see with, uh, with clear vision, but he also saw the Son of God. He accepted the Son of God, the reality of who Jesus is. When Jesus found him, he asked him, do you believe on the Son of God? And he says, who is he, Lord? Jesus says, it's he that, stalk, that talks with you. He says, Lord, I believe. And he bowed down and he worshiped him. So physical blindness was healed. Spiritual blindness was healed. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they were willfully blind. They saw Jesus with their physical eyes, but they would not acknowledge and see Jesus spiritually. They were willfully blind. They would not accept him as the Son of God. And that Jesus could not heal because they do not desire that healing. In other words, they do not desire any uh, help because they claim to see, ignoring, willfully ignoring the evidence. Paul's experience is very similar to that. If you recall, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was converted on the way to Damascus. Uh, Jesus appeared to him. And when Jesus appeared to him, the interesting thing is this. Paul was blinded for three days. You ever wondered about that? It's interesting because he sees Jesus in a vision and then he's blinded for three days. And that's simply to illustrate that while he, he thought he was seeing while he was a Pharisee persecuting the Christians, he was actually blind. Jesus blinded him into this, he appeared in great light, and Paul was blind for three days to show his condition while he was persecuting uh, the Christians, while he was persecuting Jesus. He was actually operating with blindness, like all the willfully blind Pharisees. And Jesus had to intervene in such a marvelous, miraculous manner to arrest him and to really convert him. And when Paul is giving his testimony, I want to look at this passage here. When Paul was giving his testimony before King Agrippa, and this again is very relevant to what we're talking about here. We'll just conclude with this particular point. 
Paul gives his testimony uh, as a prisoner before King Agrippa, and this is how he recounts the story of his conversion. From verse, uh, Acts 26 and verse 16, Paul is speaking and relaying what Jesus told him. So this is Jesus speaking to Paul, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So Jesus promised to Paul, not only that I appear to you, I'll appear to you again. And now I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And the purpose and the mission of Paul to be sent to the Gentiles is to do what? To open their eyes. So the Gentiles, the unbelievers, those who, who live in the world who don't believe in the Bible, don't believe in Jesus, are described as what? Their eyes shut as blind. Why? They only live and operate with their physical senses. They're not necessarily blind physically like the blind man was, but they are blind. Their eyes need to be opened. They are like the servant of Elisha. His eyes needed to be opened. He operated only on the level of the seen and the visible, physical senses only. That's all he operated on, and he needed his eyes to be opened. Paul's mission as a minister of the gospel is to go and to open the eyes of the blind, the Gentiles, unbelievers. That's us. We are to have our eyes open, brothers and sisters. Let us not operate like our eyes are still closed. Because notice, to open their eyes, verse 18, and to turn them from darkness to light. So here it is, another uh, you know, illustration saying the same thing in different words. And from the power of Satan unto God. So when you are in blindness, when your eyes need opening, you're blinded, you are in the power of Satan. You are still in darkness. That's an important point. Fearfulness is demonstrating or saying that your eyes are not open. You're not seeing clearly the invisible. The disciples exhibited fearfulness. They were not seeing the invisible, that Jesus was really with them. The, the, the servant of Elisha exhibited fearfulness. He was in the darkness. He was in darkness. That's the power of Satan. Today, there are believers who actually show that they need their eyes to be open. That's why I'm asking the question, how is your vision? How is your eyesight? Are you seeing the invisible? Or are you getting blinded by the storm that is approaching us and starting to fear and to panic and to look at your uh, lack of preparation and you panic all the more because you should have done this and should have done the other thing and oh, you neglected to do this, neglected to do that and hurry, let's go buy a place in the country. Quickly, let's do this and that. Let's, whatever it is you need to do. Let's get off the grid as quick as you can. Let's plant a garden. Look, we planted a garden in our, in our yard. Uh, the, we call it our COVID-19 garden because it was spurred and prompted by the uh, the shopping, uh, uh, the, the shelves in the shops, right? You go and people were, sh were sh going crazy at the beginning of these things and the shelves were empty. I'm like, well, we need our own food. But guess what? This is not our only reliance. Yes, let's do everything we can. But at the end of the day, we know that we trust in a living God, that the battle is not just about make sure I have my own food supply, water supply, my own power supply. I'm all set for the last days. If that's what you think, poor you, you are still blind. The battle, brothers and sisters, is a spiritual battle. Above all, make sure you take the shield of faith. Faith is seeing with divine illumination. It's seeing from God's perspective. Knowing and expecting God will intervene in supernatural ways to accomplish that which human effort cannot accomplish, that the glory may be his. Because guess what? It is a spiritual battle. And in this battle, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And when it says here about the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the Gentiles, that straight away tells you that these Gentiles are actually blind. They can't see. How did these Gentiles become blind? How are they in the power of Satan? How are they in this darkness? 
that's the default setting of every human being who comes into this world. Every human being who comes into this world needs their eyes opened to see the invisible. This is what the gospel is designed to do. Paul was a minister of the gospel to open the eyes of the blind. This is why I'm sharing uh, this message, because sometimes even believers, they end up getting blinded by what's going on. And they get caught up in so many different things. So our natural setting and our default go-to setting, when we fear, when we worry, we, we go blind. This is what Laodicea's problem is. But Laodicea is not willing to acknowledge that they are blind because they think that they have everything, they're rich and increased with goods. Let us not be like that. So are you blind or are you seeing? If your eyes are opened, are you still seeing the invisible or do they get shut because the, it, things get crowded out your faith? Finally, I want to close with this particular point that uh, Elisha saw the unseen. The servant uh, only saw the visible. His eyes were open. The army... Their eyes were shut. They lost their sight. Uh, the blind man uh, was healed by Jesus. He saw, not just physically, but he also saw the Son of God. The Pharisees, they were willfully blind and they refused to see the Son of God. Like the servant of Elisha, many times we look around and we see the outlook and it seems bleak. And this is not just in the physical sense as far as you know, armies or, or nations or laws and regulations tightening and what are we going to do. But Satan's last ditch effort is really to destroy the Son of God, and especially those who stand for the Son of God, attacking those who uphold the Son of God. Uh, and uh, you've experienced it. People get thrown out of church. We we're talking to just earlier here in, in the meeting. Uh, people are thrown out of church. People uh, feel like we are outnumbered. You know, they say, look, we're a minority. Those who believe in the truth about God, who acknowledge the Son of God and see him for who he is and actually believe and promote that, we're a minority. It feels like we are like uh, Elisha and the servant in the city. And the great majority out there, the whole army, you know, those who deny the sonship of Christ are, are greater than us. And, and how could this be? And it can be a source of discouragement and even disheartenment. You know, people, like I said, are kicked out. They're disfellowshipped. Sometimes not only are they disfellowshipped, people's reputation is tarnished. Uh, they are attacked. Uh, they are spoken evil of. Uh, all kinds of misrepresentations occur. And like the servant, sometimes we feel small and outnumbered and we feel, look, what's, what's going on? This is really discouraging. We need to remember to see with divine illumination. We need to see the invisible brothers and sisters. Let me, tell, let me put it to you in perspective. Uh, like Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes may be open. Let me put it to you in, in perspective. In all of God's vast, limitless universe, okay? Just the whole universe of God. Everybody, every intelligent being in God's vast universe knows and believes the truth about God, that there is only one God, the Father, and that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. That's the standard believe that there's no other idea that exists out there. The only place where there's people who deny this is here on earth. Okay, I want you to see, see, see things in perspective because like Elisha said, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And only in this world do you find this idea that exists that God is actually not exactly like he revealed himself. God is three and Christ is not really the son of God, only begotten son and all kinds of varieties and ideas, Trinity or variations of the Trinity, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, that denies this. That's the minority in the universe. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, not only is, is it a minority, but even Satan and his angels who are promoting all these false ideas, they know the truth about God. The Bible actually says, you believe that there is one God that doeth well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
Satan and his angels, they know the truth that there is only one God. They know who Jesus is. Don't you remember when the uh, demons met Jesus and they say, we know who you are, you're the son of God. They know who he is. So, so there, the minority is even smaller than you, re, uh, than, than you even realize. So we need to see, see things in perspective, brothers and sisters. When you accept the truth about God, guess what? You are joining the majority. You are joining the rest of the universe. That's the standard belief. That's the reality. That's, that's the truth. That's the only reality that exists. And even Satan and his angels know that. And it's because he knows that. He created this idea to fudge that, to hide that, to confuse people about that. And this battle, the spiritual battle that we have today over the Son of God and the Sonship of Christ is happening because this is Satan's last-ditch effort to try and snuff out any faith or any of the faithful who are standing for the Son of God on this earth. So see things in their true perspective. If you feel like you're alone, you're, you're outcast, you're, you're, you're abandoned by friends and family and church and cast out and, and look what happened to you, how did you end up here? Welcome to the majority. You just have to see things in their true perspective, in their true light. So that's faith, brothers and sisters, seeing the unseen. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Apply this physically in what's going to happen in the world and apply this spiritually in the spiritual battle that's happening as far as standing for the Son of God. How is your faith today? That's the question. Are you taking the shield of faith above all or are you neglecting to take the shield of faith and you're fearful and you're panicking and your eyes are starting to close? Let us indeed see the invisible. That's why the title of our study today is Seeing the Invisible. The story of Elisha and his servant is a great illustration and a reminder and an encouragement for us towards that end. I am greatly encouraged by it. I read through the story. I'm like, praise God. I just, I just, faith just welled up in me. Amen. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. So I, that's what I want to share it with you. I want to tell you what Elisha told his servant so that your your faith and your courage can well up and, and grasp a hold of God's promises more surely. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Praise God. Satan and his army, bring it on. No problem. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's God's promise. Grasp a hold of that. Let that be your reality. Act now based on that. See the invisible. All right. You get the point? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have indeed not abandoned us. You have not left us. Even in our fearful, doubtful, faithless moments, you are with us. You don't give up on us. I just pray that you will inspire and encourage our faith that we might indeed please you. And as, as you spoke to the disciples, he said, why did you fear, O you of little faith? May we indeed fear not. As Elisha told his servant, fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. We thank you for this promise. May we see with this divinely illuminated vision, the eye of faith, help us to uh, not forget to take this shield of faith, to use it daily, hourly, moment by moment, as we enter into this last and final battle that we might indeed be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we don't go into this battle alone, that you will intervene and work in marvelous, incredible, amazing ways to the glory of your name. We trust you and we trust the outcome of our life and our family, our loved ones, or all that we are. We trust you and that you are in charge and you're in control of our life as you have promised in your word. We thank you in the precious name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.